Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck coming to you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company here in Pittman, New Jersey. Happy to be back down here tonight. Dr. Frey, how are you making out so far? You know I'm great, Jason, and I'm glad to have you back in-house. Yeah, it's a, it feels good to be back here on site, having a couple with some of our guests. It's a great crowd down here tonight. We're talking a little bit about some Phillies injuries. Um, we were right there in the thick of things for a playoff hunt currently sit two and a half back behind the Atlanta Braves for the division lead, but uh, yeah, the Phillies have <laughs> lost Reese Hoskins for the remainder of the year. Uh, to me, it sounds like it's a sports hernia, um, but we needed somebody special to bring in with us to help us discuss this. Who do we got tonight? We've brought back one of our fantastic physical therapists, uh, Dean Millard. Dean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, well, uh, thanks for having me back, guys. Uh, last time I was on, we uh, didn't really get into much background, but that's okay. So uh, I was I was really excited to have somebody that comes to the neck of the woods as frequently as you do, and I, I think I, <laughs> I think I started talking about that, and you know, unfortunately, didn't give you an opportunity to give your background. So I'm glad we got you back on tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. So uh, I grew up in Berks County, uh, PA. Uh, played football in college. I went to went to Westchester uh, for undergrad. Was a biology major there and then went on to uh, PT school. Uh, I went to Arcadia, uh, just outside of Philadelphia, um, and I've been in the Philadelphia area uh, ever since. Um, worked in Center City for a while, worked in South Philadelphia for a while, and now I'm uh, here in Pittman, New Jersey. Um, live in Audubon, local guy, uh, wife and three kids at home. Last time we, I forget when it was, I was on last, but uh, had the new baby at home, wasn't very old. He's up to six months now, and making all sorts of noise and rolling all over the place and getting to that really fun stage. But uh, kids are back in school. Life is very, very busy and very, very hectic now. So and NFL begins tomorrow. And NFL begins tomorrow. It's so fantastic it's a fantastic time of the year. Great time of the year. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Uh, we, I think it was our intro show or our episode one. Uh, Dr. Frey and I were sitting here and it was opening day of the MLB. So I feel like, you know, we've, we stretched now six months, it feels like, where... Yeah. Uh, we're now, you know, we're talking about the Phillies being a playoff hunt and we're talking about NFL kicking off tomorrow. So, yeah, it's, it's been a good run. So Covered far. a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. Dean, tell us a little bit uh, about where you worked previously and why we, we we purposely brought you on based on your experience here with. And I'll, I'll keep using air quotes when we say sports hernia. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll get into that in a little more detail here shortly. But uh, uh, my previous employment uh, prior to here was uh, with Vincera Institute in the Navy Yard in Philadelphia. And um the one of the doctors there the main doctor that we worked hand in hand with he specializes in these what are now referred to as core muscle injuries um again not really referred to as sports hernia anymore but um he specializes in that and we would get patients from all over the country uh all over the world really that uh would come to see him with these weird kind of hip slash groin slash abdominal pain issues um and so that was predominantly, I, I would say, probably 90% of my caseload was patients with pain somewhere between the belly button and the mid to upper thigh. That was kind of all <laughs> we really saw there. So I, I've seen a lot of these. Yeah. And the reason why, you know, we're, we're going on the assumption this is, as, as Dean just told us, it's now referred to as a core muscle injury. Uh, let's recap a little bit about Reese's history and, you know, really just the month of August for him. Um, August 10th, he's placed on the 10-day DL um, with a left groin strain, right? Um, he misses 18 of 21 games, including a stretch where he misses 14 straight. 
gets reactivated, actually comes back, uh, has uh, a two home run game in his first game back against the San Diego Padres, which we covered their team a lot when we were talking about Tatis and sure. you know, things like that. Right. Uh, the Phillies have an off day on Monday. He comes back. They have a two-game set with the Tampa Bay Rays. He hits a home run in the first game. He's fixed. Yeah, everything's looking good. <laughs> August 26th, back on the DL. Um, again, left groin strain. It was around this time that we start finding out that he also has been dealing with, for a majority of the season, a lower abdominal tear. We, we know that he, you know, he came out and said at the beginning it was very low level, really low grade stuff, as he said, and then it got exponentially worse. Um, his medical staff, you know, including the athletic trainers, the team physicians, cleared him under the assumption that he can't do any further damage to that abdominal tear. Um, he can come back, finish the season based on his symptoms, how he's feeling. They also kind of just gave him the heads up that this may not be something you can play with every day. You know, we'll see how it progresses. So um, they get an MRI, you know, a few days after being placed on the DL the second time, mm -hmm. they put him on seizing ending 60 day DL. He's going to have surgery. Again, we're saying we think it's sports hernia. I'm, I'm throwing you a lob there, Dean. You can get into that. But to me, I, I've seen this in the past, this this thing where you're dealing with a groin strain, abdomen strain, it all points in that direction, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this, uh, in my experience anyway, you know, no, no two injuries are the same and nothing's ever cookie cutter. But right. this presentation and his history and timeline is about as cookie cutter as it gets with this kind of injury that more often than not, you know, no major mechanism of injury. There's always the fluke, you know, uh, him, you know, being first base, maybe he overextends reaching for a ball on a bang, bang play at first. And he gets into that kind of split or straddle kind of a position. You know, I was trying to figure out like how and when this happened, was it while he was swinging away or, but actually that makes a lot of sense. He's yeah, like, you know, in the field, big, I, right? I would think in the field. field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be a guess. Um, Going to his right, right, you know, assumingly, right? Like, yeah, so he's what, left side, right? Yeah, yeah. Left so side. yeah, overextend, reaching mm -hmm. to the right. Um, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, a patient or an athlete, they, when you ask them about the history, it's like, ah, you know, I don't really know what happened? Played in the game last night, was maybe a little tight afterwards, woke up the next day and, you know, my stomach or my groin, whatever was killing me. Or, you know, I've been dealing, my, my hips were feeling tight for a couple of weeks and right. been trying to play through it and doing all this stuff to loosen up before games and extra time in the training room. And it just kept getting worse. And, you know, I had to sit out for a week or I missed some practice time and this and that. And, and it just keeps getting worse and you can never really kind of, um, get in front of it kind of thing what, what was the reasoning behind this whole we used to refer to them as sports hernias now we refer to them as core muscle injuries do you know the background on that uh so i don't know the full history in terms of where the term sports hernia kind of initially started and and the background with that but with um with where i was at and what we were finding and the doctor who kind of uh pioneered the surgery i guess you could say so a hernia really is more of like a something is protruding through a, a hole or, mm -hmm. or a cavity and with these injuries that really wasn't happening like a, there is you know you can have an inguinal hernia at yeah. the inguinal canal at the base mm -hmm. at the top of the hip um, but this wasn't really what was happening it was really more of a true muscle strain or tear similar to the way somebody would have a proximal hamstring tear or a uh, 
you know, a gas rock tear or something along those lines, that it was really more a true tearing of the either the rectus abdominis at the uh, lower abdomen or any number of adductor muscles, um, whether it's the adductor longus, brevis, pectineus. Those are the most common three um, that were injured. Um, but you have this at the the pubic bone is kind of the center point at the front of the front of the pelvis there. And if you think of your pelvis, it's kind of like a bowl. You have the abdominal muscles pulling on the top of that bowl and the adductor muscles on the bottom of it. And if there's any imbalance there, that bowl starts to tilt and you get this uneven wearing there. Um, and there's this kind of thick plate called the pubic plate and on the front of that bone where all of these muscles attach to. And if you think of that um, whole area similar to a baseball, we're talking about an athlete, so the analogy actually fits re really well here. If you think of that like a baseball, that plate is kind of like the white cover of the baseball. And when that plate starts to lift off, those seams of the baseball loosen, that plate lifts off of the baseball. You can get fluid in between that plate and the bone where you get um, osseitis pubis is a common presentation that, that comes with this, which is that fluid trapped in between the layers causes a lot of pain right at the center of the pelvis. But as that worsens, then those muscles themselves start to detach off of that plate and as that progresses, then that's where you head more into that uh, kind of surgical route. Delve into that a little bit more in terms of the, the, the origin or the derivation of the name. It was originally termed uh, Gilmore's, Gilmore's Groin, uh, coined by Jerry Gilmore in 1980, um, an orthopedic surgeon who had noted a constellation of injuries around the groin that caused different, similar type pain into the area. And in, in a, basically the way that he had described it is there were different tendons or ligaments or fascia or different attachments to the bone which can get torn or stretched or injured and they present with similar type pain that's kind of at the lower abdomen front of the groin top of the legs on the inside there and then uh, that then progressed to sports hernia which then became athletic pubalgia and is now often referred to as um, more of a core injury you know when you read about the, the reports of these injuries the most common term is still sports hernia and the reason that name hangs around is because that's the one that people recognize. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure many people realize what it is, um, yeah. and it's a pretty inaccurate name, which is why we try to get away from it, but it's just recognizable, so that's the name that's thrown out there a lot. When that transition happened, I have no idea. But yeah. but uh, that, that that was kind of the derivation, and the, the, the description was fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, four, four layers in your abdomen, your transverse abdominis, your internal obliques, your external obliques, and then your rectus abdominis, kind of the the six pack muscles down the center, which I lack. And <laughs> then uh, those those come down and attach in the front of your pelvis. And at the same time, the adductors, kind of the muscles that are on the insides of your thigh at the very top also attach to a similar area in the pelvis. Just the rectus abdominis is at the top of the bone and the adductors at the bottom. And there's a thick plate that kind of connects the two, a fascia. And that can begin to peel up just the way Dean described it. Um, yeah, perfect, perfect description. You've seen, you tell me, is it hundreds of yeah, even so, professional professional athletes over there? Yeah, we. I was there from, let me get my timeline correct here, from 2014 mm -hmm. until 2019. So, so hundreds. Really close yeah. to uh, uh, almost five years exactly. We would see, on average, probably he would operate on maybe 10 to 20 patients yeah. a week. 
um, yeah. and they would all do rehab with us starting yeah. day of surgery. Right. Um, so I don't know, 50 weeks times five years times yeah. 10 to 20 uh, patients so a week. A lot. Whatever a lot. that is, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you said, this guy was world renowned. And um, I, I'm not sure, however, you know, how much you got into it with each specific patient. But did, did you ever hear about like common trends of how these started? I mean, I, I think in sports, we always have like this mechanism. You, you know, was there a common thing that you had picked up on how these were occurring? No, not really. That yeah. was that was kind of the tricky thing. And and as it, you know, teams would start to send athletes more and more. And then once they would send a couple, you know, their training staff or their team doctors um, would start to notice a little bit better and, you know, get pa- patients in quicker. It. But um, in the early times when I was there, you know, we'd see lots of patients that, again, because it, it can be a weird combination of symptoms because there are so many different muscles there that some patients are more abdominal pain some are more groin pain or some might actually have some whether it's uh bowel and bladder issues Mm -hmm. or different things that could go on so patients would you know they'd go see their general doctor and he would say well you you know this sounds like some sort of a gi thing you should go see a gi doctor and they get a full workup from the gi doctor hey everything looks good you should you probably have a hernia you should go see uh you know a different doctor for that or it sounds like it could be some sort of a um you know, sexual organ issue, something like that. And they go see, no, no, it's not. I don't have testicular cancer. It's not a prostate issue. Yeah. Oh, you just have a groin strain, just rest it and you'll be fine. You should see an orthopedic and then they rest it and it's not fine. So it was some patients, you know, it would be the, your typical overworked it. I, you know, a high school athlete played in a soccer tournament all weekend and they played in six soccer games over the course of a weekend and they just really beat their hips up and now they have this injury. Some again, you know, traumatic, slipped on a wet spot on the basketball court or overextended to uh, make a play for a loose ball or something like that. But a lot of times it was this just kind of gradual progression of tightness and mild discomfort that just didn't go away. Soreness that would otherwise usually go away, but now all of a sudden, not going away for me. What's going on here? Yep, exactly. Yeah, not not your typical, you know, ACL. Everybody knows how they hurt their ACL. That that's not usually something that pops up out of nowhere. Um, this is pretty pretty different in how it occurs, or even a hamstring. Somebody's sprinting down the field and they feel that grab and they pull up lame. More often than not, this isn't how it occurs. And, and a quick little sidebar: the, the hernia. That the, the reason why we try to get away from that name is hernia tip, typically indicates that there's part of your bowels or you know, your, your gut are sort of pow- poking through a little a little opening within your body wall. So there's usually like a little bit of a mass there where, where, where your bowels or you know or some of your insides are kind of poking out. In this scenario, there there is no hernia. That that's kind of the key difference. There's a tear there, but you're not having any tissue herniate through that little tear or that little opening. I mean, going off that, why we switched the name from sports hernia. Yeah. If you saw a hundred patients a week over there when you yeah. were doing this more full time, um, what, what was the percentage like of just non-athletes? So yeah. most patients were at least active in some regard. They active, might not necessarily yeah. be a high school athlete or a college athlete or a professional athlete, but you know, weekend warriors that maybe they do they do Ironmans or they play in a you know a pick up soccer league or basketball league or something like that. Um, but it's usually coming from some sort of a physical, physical activity. Maybe it was, you know, uh, falls coming around or, you know, when winter comes and you're shoveling the snow and stuff like that and you overworked it shoveling snow. But most of the time it was from some sort of a 
an athletic activity, something that involves a lot of change of direction, acceleration, deceleration, those, those kind of explosive movements are usually where it comes from. But also a lot of, um, you know, distance runners that it's not so much that explosive movement, but just the repetitive pounding and that progressive breakdown. Also, hip pathology was very commonly uh, found with it. I know we, uh, I forget, it was a few episodes ago and you guys had discussed uh, uh, hip impingement and yeah. FAI. Yeah. Common uh, presentation that patients would also have some sort of hip pathology um, going on, causing compensatory movements and causing that imbalance that I was talking about just between the certain muscles being tighter or weaker and just that uneven pull. What is the ultimate goal, Dr. Frey, in these surgeries? Like, I know when we talked about the ACL, right? Like, we're, we're going to reconstruct the ACL. We're going to fix the labrum and the shoulder. What, what are we accomplishing here in these surgeries? So, again, full disclosure, not a surgery that, that I do. But um, typically what you're trying to do is um, reestablish that connection. or So reconnect that, that plate has, that which has pulled up or that little tear which is which has happened or started to give, to give way. And there's... There's a few different ways that they, they can go about doing it. Um, there are basically three classifications for this, or three types or three versions of the surgery that are out there. One is considered an open repair, so a bigger surgery, bigger incision, where they use they do it with or without mesh. And so, so a mesh is something that's often often used uh, in hernia type surgery to keep that those innards or guts from her, or your bowel from herniating through that opening. So they can do an open repair, kind of reconstruct some of that area and put it put. Sometimes I'll put in mesh to, to hold everything together. Um, the, the second version of this is more of a laparoscopic repair. And sometimes they will use mesh. And so it's poke holes into your stomach or into your abdomen, um, in, lower down in your abdomen, your gut area, where they're able to try to put this back together. And then the third version of this is um, what they call more of a, a broad pelvic floor repair. Um, and sometimes, during, and again, so, so they open things up and actually do more of just putting anchors into the bone and sewing the plate back down, reattaching it back down to bone. And sometimes they'll also add, there are a couple nerves that are in the area that sort of add to the pain here. So sometimes you can decompress that nerve uh, that's in that particular area at the same time as you're doing the surgery. And then sometimes there's a, another component to the surgery if the patient also happens to have some groin pain involved in the process. So that groin pain, like we were saying, there's this plate that goes across the front of the pelvis that somewhat attaches the bottom of your ab uh, abdominal muscles, your rectus abdominis, to the top of the adductor, the, the muscles on your inner thigh. If those muscles or those tendons are involved, the muscles on the, at the top of the inner thigh, you can actually do a partial release or lengthening of those muscles. So those muscles at one point are partially tendon and partially muscle. So if you release the tendinous portion of that, it tends to stretch out, but it doesn't totally disconnect because the muscle remains intact. So you get a little bit of a lengthening and that takes a lot of pressure off of that plate where it's pulling, where it's or originating on the pelvis. So sometimes I'll add that component to the surgery as well. So essentially you're trying to one, repair anything that's torn off a bone, tack it back down to bone, and then two, do your best to restore the balance, like Dean was just talking about, between the erectus abdominis and, uh, and the, the adductors below it. Dean, uh, earlier in the show we mentioned that you know he was cleared by the team medical staff to come back, mm -hmm. and they told him that he couldn't do any worse damage. 
Um, but if you if we review the timeline where he he gets placed in the DL, misses 21 games, uh, comes back for a few games, goes back on the DL, and then essentially in that brief time with the second stint on the DL, he's deemed you know surgeries needed. He's to to me to most people that sounds like he did worse damage. Yeah. But I mean, what are your thoughts on? Explain what you think actually happened in that time. So, structurally, the the degree of the tear or the strain um, may have gotten worse. Right. But for uh, all intents and purposes, it didn't get worse in terms of long-term outlook. Right. It, it wasn't changing the type of surgery right. that he was going to need. It wasn't, uh, you know, before we went on, we kind of talked about, you know, a a baseball player that's complaining of elbow pain, that's usually a clear cut. We got to shut you down right. before this leads to something worse. Yeah, it's just a yes. pronator right. flexor strain right now. If you keep pitching through this, it's going to lead to Tommy John and you're yeah. done for a very long time. This isn't usually one of those things. It's usually, hey, it, we found it. It's torn. We'll try and rehab it. Hopefully you don't need surgery, but chances are you are because it's going to just creep up on you again at some point. I think if you can play through it, whether it's pain limiting you or just yeah. your your function. If you're a fast twitch guy and you need that speed and you're just sluggish off the line kind of a thing, or you know, for him, he's not able to, you know, reach for a, a ball that he needs to reach, or he doesn't have the range to field a ground ball in the infield, or things right. like that, where his productivity is dipping, then it becomes okay, your pain's okay but you're not very good out on the field right now. We're just going to shut you down. Because I think most Phillies fans are left wondering, you know, we just lost our first baseman, the guy leading the team in home runs, leading the team in RBIs, second only to, you know, Bryce Harper for slugging percentage, one base percentage. You know, we were all led to believe this couldn't get worse, but yet here we are. Right. But essentially what happened, it, it didn't get worse. It's just that his symptoms became so bad that he couldn't continue playing at a high level. Right. You yeah. Know? When they say it can't get worse, that they more mean you're not going to the get outcome. at risk yeah. for mm -hmm. having a worse outcome right. down the road. Yeah. It can get worse in terms of you could feel a lot worse yeah. and your production could get a lot worse, but you're going to likely have the same surgery whether we do it today or three months from now when the season ends. Right. It, that's kind of what they mean yeah. when they're saying they can't I, I, get worse. It was, it was a tough pill to swallow because, you know, for most of the Phillies fans here, I mean, we're looking at, you know, we're, we're right there in the thick of things. And for the first time in, I think it's about 10 years, right? 2011 was the last time they made the playoffs. And right. here we are with about 20-ish games to go. And we're two and a half out. And at the time, I mean, they just went on an eight-game win streak. They were actually two and a half up. They had, you know, a nice gun lead going on. And then, you, you know, you, you kind of get given this hand. You yeah. know, in, recent, in recent years, they have had, you know, they've been pretty good right down yeah. to this point. Then yeah. there's been the, the kind of tailspin right at the end. Right. And I think that's what that people yeah. people start worrying about. Like, here we go again, a little right. bit of a tailspin. Yeah. You know, and, and with this particular injury, it's one of those things. It's, it's exactly that where people are allowed to play through it, yeah. um, but not everybody's going to be able to sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's notorious for that. As soon as I stop playing, I feel fine. You know, yeah. when you're not exerting, you feel okay. And then once you go back to trying to play, it's enough to throw you off your game a little bit, right? And, it, and the question is, does it throw you off your game enough for it to be an issue and you're not at your best and a replacement could be better? Or does it not throw you off your game that much, in which case you do your best and you finish out the season and you kind of deal with it? And that from a from patients that I had seen that, you know, tried to go the conservative route, 
very similar to what Dr. Frey just said. You know, they tried to rehab, they tried to rest, they're feeling a lot better. And as soon as their trainer or their doctor or they just, you know, decided on their own, I'm feeling better. I'm going to go try and go play basketball again this weekend or I'm going to go do whatever. Whatever that one activity is that was giving them the pain before they shut things down, as soon as they go back to that, boom, they're right back where they started from. They're like 98% better. They can do almost everything in their life. And they get to that one activity. Yeah. It's like, man, I just I just can't get through it. Where we had to reach for that ground ball in the hole. Yeah, He was great yeah. and just that one little tweak yeah. and boom, I'm, I'm right back where I started mm -hmm. from. Not like, oh, it's a little sore. I Nope, you're right back at, at yeah. square one. And, and it, it, that's the unfortunate thing with this kind of thing. Reese came out, and, and this was something I've seen a lot in my time working in pro baseball where, um, you know, the season ends in September and, Usually I've heard people tell me in the past that they don't even look at a baseball. They don't even touch a bat until like around the holidays in, in December. They take like the rest of October, November. And, and, you know, Reese came out and said that, you know, this puts him in a timeline to get back to that same schedule. Yep. He'll, he'll get back to baseball activity in December. Um, when does rehab begin following surgery? Uh, day of, day really. Of, yeah. um, we would we would see patients. They'd have their surgery and. Uh, they come up the way our facility was set up surgery center doctor's office was downstairs rehab was upstairs so they'd get they'd get brought up we you know do game ready and do some modalities just to get some of their pain and swelling under control and we'd get them up walking and um, that was kind of their rehab the, the first day day of surgery day after surgery walk try and walk a mile um, the big thing is because of the amount of the soft tissue work that was done that dr. Frey had mentioned you know doing some of that um releasing of the muscles and and mobilizing a lot of that tissue they're getting a lot of soft tissue injuries are, are painful rehab injuries um painful surgeries so they don't want to get up and move they they're hunched over and everything gets so shortened so all that work that was just done surgically to try and lengthen everything if you just lay in the couch and rest for several days like tightens most surgeries up. are it just tightens right back up and and you're almost worse than you were right. before the surgery so we want them up and walking and mobilizing that tissue safely as early as we possibly can and then day after surgery that's when more formal rehab starts and we start getting into you know some very early core activation um more of your uh, associative muscles, more of that transverse abdominis, which was, wasn't damaged typically in, in this injury. We're working on that, take some of that load off of the rectus, getting some early light isometric activation of those adductor muscles if there was some adductor involvement in the surgery. So yeah, there's, they're starting right afterwards. It's a, it took a little getting used to when I first started there. Normally, you know, your typical soft tissue injuries, tendon repairs that you hear of. You Slow know, going. Achilles tendon repair, mm -hmm. rotator cuff repair, any of these tendon repairs, hamstring repairs, you don't, you, we want that to scar down. You yep. want that to strengthen. Don't activate that at all. Right. Yep. And when I, when I was, yourself, right? what's that? That mean movement you don't do it yourself. Right. Yes, exactly. And, you know, so that took a little getting used to when hearing what these patients were starting immediately. I'm like, this guy's going to go back into surgery two days later because he's right. going to just damage that repair. Yeah. And it, and it, just the nature of the way the procedure is done, and I'm not a surgeon, so I can't speak too eloquently on that, but it, the rehab process is totally different. It's, yeah. it's aggressive. They start right away. So, 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying Reese is going to have no problems, not only starting activity in December, but he should be ready for spring training come February. He, if, if, he if should third, be. You know. Yeah. If all, if all goes well, he should be, uh, if I'm betting on it, he should be fine for, yeah. for spring training. So let's play the other side of the table. Right. If, if this had happened back in May mm-hmm. and with, and they were going to do it to get it done with, could we have seen Reese play the end of the year? How long would a typical recovery take if we were rushing to get, not rushing, but we had a, a timeline to get him back to the field? Yeah, so injury in May, if he had surgery in May, he would be back by now for sure. You, you're typically looking at... That's what I'm getting at. Like, What's the timeline for recovery? Depending on the involvement. So if it's just abdominal and it's just a, that rectus abdominis repair, that's usually a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Adductor involvement's a little bit more involved. Um, the, the protocol that we worked with was like a three-week protocol. Rare that somebody would get back to an activity of, of his intensity right. within three weeks. Um, but that was a more of a, you're cleared as tolerated at three weeks with, with just a rectus repair. Rare that pe- people can tolerate it that quickly. I, I with was- this adductor, you're more six week minimum probably closer to eight weeks is your typical timeline of like two months is probably a good good timeline of when he'd be back i was really surprised by exactly that it was much faster than i had had anticipated in in, you know learning about this that uh, you know there are some like small repairs that they're doing uh where where theoretically can be back in like a week or two but in, in general it's trying to get people jogging by three to four weeks and getting back to sport by six to eight weeks, which to me was a much faster timeline than I anticipated, but but that's, that's the timeline they look for. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, I guess we're going to see how the Phillies do the, you know, the rest of the month here and see if they can, you know, at least, you know, stay close in the race and, you know, make it interesting down the road. But, you know, it's going to be tough without one of their, you know, prime stars here. For sure. But, you know, hopefully we see him back to his normal self, you know, 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Fantasy football time, boys. Oh, yeah. Um, let's do a quick rapid fire. So we've we've all had our draft. Yep. Um, we've all or we're all in some type of league, right? That, Dean, I know you were talking about you had your big one last night. Yeah. So last night was uh, one I do with some of my buddies that I went to PT school with. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller league, just eight of us. So yeah. uh, at the end of that draft, everybody comes away feeling pretty good because right. eight team yeah. league. Yeah. You got you got studs up and yeah. down the roster. So <laughs> everybody walks away kind of. Like uh, strutting their stuff, feeling pretty good, and yeah. talking some trash. Um, so yeah, yeah so, on paper, every, everyone's team looks pretty stacked. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah it, you know, it's hard to be yeah. hard to be thin anywhere yeah. with it with an eighteen league. But uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of a fantasy football addict, you could say. Uh, this year, I'm in ten leagues. So, You're kidding me. Uh, no, yeah. Wow. Yeah, ten leagues. So it gets really hard in the playoffs because yeah, I have Derrick Henry on two or three of my teams, right. and two or three of the guys that I'm going up against also have Derrick Henry. So it usually comes down to like two players when when you're in that many leagues. It makes it a little tough, but uh, but it's fun. Keeps me busy, that's for sure. <laughs> Doctor Frey, I mean, not a lot has changed since we did this last week with Doctor Brandt, right? Where sure. uh, this is the first year the teams are not playing that fourth preseason game. Um, oh, thank God! Yeah. Yes. So I mean, there hasn't been any really new injuries. Um, you know, we're 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 gearing up for. Uh, Bucks, An eighteen Cow- game season. No, eight, no, yeah. but, well, Bucks Bucks Cowboys tomorrow, but. Um, you know, looking back at your draft, how do you think your team did? Is, do you have any concerns injury-wise? I got a couple that I'll throw out there. But, you know, 
you know, overall, I think uh, I, my draft went pretty well. It wasn't the the best draft I've ever had. It also wasn't wasn't the worst draft. There was a couple guys out there where, you know, all right, one or two more, and it's, this guy's going to get to me, and then he's gone off the board, mm-hmm. and then, you know, then it's a little bit of a scramble, especially when we do, we do our draft. It's a, you know, thirty second, yeah, <laughs> thirty second right. selection. Yeah, 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 it's Not a lot really of time. fast. Yeah. So, so you really have to have somebody in the queue, kind of ready to go in case your guy does get grabbed from you right before. And that happened to me maybe two or three times during the draft. So then, then you get the scramble. Not only do you get the guy that, not only do you not get the guy that you're sort of counting on in that spot, but sometimes during that scramble, the guy that you get might not be the best choice at that point. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I, you know, I'm happy. I think I, think no. I have a legitimate chance, uh, but um, I'm not, I'm not uh, counting the title just yet. My, my uh, draft uh, kind of strategy is I, I, I feel that running backs especially in today's game are, are hard to come by for sure so i always make it a, a key point that three of my first four picks will be a running back right and this is the first year that i usually i go two running backs receiver then a running back this year i went three running backs first and then when it came up to me again I decided to put receiver off and i took lamar jackson so right. i got three starting running backs for sure so I got my two running backs, my flex taken care of, got Lamar Jackson, really doesn't matter matchup. Sure. But when you do stuff like that, obviously there's going to be a, you know, a take hole. A yeah. You're going to take a hole. You're probably not happy with your wide receivers. So well, if this was 2013, I'm thrilled. I got Julio <laughs> and AJ Odell Green? Beckham. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, okay. I'm thrilled to death right now if it's seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really know. Uh, we, we don't know what Odell's going to be. Yeah. Um, coming off the ACL. Uh-huh. We talked about him with Dr. Brandt. I'm not impressed. I, I mean, I, I can literally tell you at that time, I was like, I have to take a receiver here. What's the best thing I, I really got on the board? Yeah. And he had some upside potential based sure. on who he is. But uh, Julio, I got the round before him, right. um, who, of course, you know, listed as questionable. Um, and he, I mean, I think he, he, he lives his life on the questionable and then day sure. of gets activated, yeah. right. you know, to help hamstring me. foot, hamstring right. foot. Hamstring <laughs> foot. So I, I'm not really sure, you know, what my, what my season's going to be like, but, uh, I think on the plus side there, it was a great wide receiver draft, right? Rookie wise. So there's right. a bunch of guys that are out there that might uh, do something this year that right. probably aren't on rosters just yet. Right. And number two, Really, honestly, it's, it's a deep position. Yeah. You know, it's become such a passing league that yeah. you, typically you can find one guy. Yeah, I, mean, and I was going to say you have uh, other yeah. pieces. You do okay. I got to give you some credit to sticking to your plan with going running back because that's always my strategy too. And then you're sitting there because running back is so thin right. and there's yeah. so few workhorses. Right. And then you're like, well, I can take I don't know Josh Jacobs. Yeah. yeah. Who's not bad. I'm yeah. a Raiders fan, so I'm rooting yeah. for him. Right. But then wide receiver being so deep, you're like, well, I can get Josh Jacobs or A.J. Brown. Right. It's hard to pass on A.J. Right. Brown. <laughs> exactly. You really have to yeah. have your plan and realize what's going to be coming. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily about the guy you like. Right. It's about which guy am I going to like two rounds from now. Yeah. Right. If I pass on running back now, so that's exactly. Right. I, I, I give what, you credit for that. I mean, truthfully, sticking to it, it came to it, and I was like, I mean, I didn't expect Lamar Jackson to be here because after like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, I'm like, well, I'll just take Russell Wilson seven rounds from now, and mm-hmm. just as good, ste- you know, yeah, steady Eddie, Tiny right? Step yeah. up, right? I'll get 15, 20 points, and I'll be okay with that. But I got a better receiver. That's right. But I was like, I, I mean, I don't know, like Lamar Jackson's got that potential to go off for thirty plus, right? With my three good running backs, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, and then, you know, sure enough, when it came back to me, I was like, oh, man, this is 
getting slim pickings here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, so somebody you guys, picking up Le'Veon Bell, is that where this is headed? I mean, like, <laughs> you would think so, right? right? Yeah, no, no, apparently maybe going to Baltimore. Yeah. And look, look, oh, as a Steeler fan, oh, dear God. Uh, okay. Wouldn't that be awful for you <laughs> to see him go off this season as a Baltimore It's Raven. crazy how far he <laughs> fell so fast. When yeah. he left the Steelers, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I, I mean. Like, I it's just, it, it's, I mean, no. I, it's the same as, I guess the same point, Antonio Brown. Right. Right. Just well, let's see. Yeah. Let's see what he does. That, yeah. that was just a matter of, you know, just chaos. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the right. Loose cannon and, and sort of did himself in. Yeah. But the potential to play is probably still there. And we'll see what happens this year with you know, Tom Brady slinging yeah. the rock all year. Yeah. Now, you guys kind of bashed Odell Beckham last week. I, I am a fan. I do listen to the podcast. By <laughs> well way. done. Uh, every week. But uh, you guys kind of bashed him last week. Yeah. And now this push. might be a bias because I have him on a couple of my teams, but I, I'm expecting as a bounce as back. Your, as your second tier starting wide receiver? He, or is he that is just my, my, is that, is that my just wide, receiver, <laughs> wide receiver two on at least one of my teams. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. So I'm in the same boat. But yeah. uh, So it could just be biased because I own him, but I'm hoping for a bounce back. I think he, people have been bashing him for a while now. ACL injury counted him out last year. He had a, a down year the year before in right. which he actually had over a thousand yards. Um, and oddly enough, tying things together he had a core muscle injury in the past um so yeah round and round we go but uh so he had that so he's been dealing with injuries for a while here i think he's going to come back motivated i expect a big bounce back year for him browns people are hyping up the browns you heard it here folks yeah yeah i mean i don't know that he's going to be wide receiver one odell beckham but we don't need him to be i don't need him to be i think he's going to be better than the you know sixth or seventh round pick odell beckham right Sorry. Most people have their their drafts done at this point. Let's let's get let's move past draft strategy. Yeah. And then you wanted to ask us about some uh, some players in particular. It was it was more like it was talking about Odell, Julio, these guys, Brandon um, from the Niners. His last name slips my mind. Wide receiver. Ayuk. Ayuk. Yeah. yeah. Already hamstring injury. Uh, already. Exactly. I mean these uh, soft tissue things. Yeah. Uh, All oh, year. Last year. With Same the speedy thing. guys, it, it just. You never know when it's going to be down, out, you yep. know, in, you know, back, healthy, questionable, probable, all that stuff. That yep. guy's an you know. amazing he, athlete. He's man. active, and then first quarter, he he's sitting again, right. which is the worst. Right. Devastating. Devastating. Right? Big goose egg on the yeah. Uh, yeah. scoreboard. Dr. Brandt was, you know, he was right again. Um, we, we talked a little bit. It looks like Carson Wentz is going to be starting this week. All right. Um, yeah, full practice today. Full practice, all expected yeah. to play week one. Yeah. So, I mean, where do you guys see him? Did he go in any of your drafts? Uh, I, I can't think of – I don't know. I don't think he went in the two that I did. I did two drafts, and he did go uh, in deeper, one of the two drafts. Deeper league, yeah. Yeah, well, 12-person league yeah. and uh, taken as the second quarterback. Yeah, got to be was, a backup. Yeah, and I think that's the right place for him, right? He's got this big upside, mm-hmm. theoretically, and, yeah. you know, hopefully – he looked amazing. When, like, when he first came up, right? Like, you know, yeah. Philadelphia fell in love yeah. with that guy. Yeah. And, and and a lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt for, for a while mm-hmm. until finally really this last – season the wheels came off yeah the um, upside's fun, there fun right? fact you might as well if he's your backup you might as well yeah. go upside because sure if you have you know you talk russell wilson yeah chances are if i have russell wilson i'm not going to play carson wentz anyway right unless he goes off and yeah. lives up to that upside so what do right. i need a, a safe yeah backup for he's only going to play one week when right. russell wilson's exactly. going by so you might as well go upside trade value or trade whatever value, yeah, the case Swing for the fences when you're buying backups. All right, Dean. Well, we'll uh, we'll check in with you in a couple of weeks or so, and uh, we'll get an update on uh, your fantasy team. And in the meantime, we want to thank you for jumping on with us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, thank. Especially, you know, tonight was a light, later night for you over at the, at the Energy Lab. We appreciate you swinging by. Oh, as absolutely. Things finished up. Glad to do it.
Before we take off for tonight, uh, we want to go ahead and thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs, the Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination, Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located here at 614 Lambs Road in Pittman, New Jersey, and our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, Kyle Miller, our editor. Doc, this was fun. As always. Thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.